Hey everybody, welcome to Rock and Roll Shinsu Chu, episode number 72. I'm here with my co-host, Dennis Family Tradition, Levi Leach, and Jonathan, you never even call me by my name, Gets. How's it going, guys? You guys, you guys see what I did? You guys see yeah. what I did there? Yeah. All right. That was excellent. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so tonight, episode number 72. The focus is on 1970s country music. Now, while the 1970s were a period of grand experimentation for rock and roll, country music was also going through its own metamorphosis. The social upheavals that molded much of pop music during the 1960s found their way to Nashville and Texas the following decade. Buzzcuts and pompadours gave way to long-haired rednecks and rebels whiskey-bent and hell-bound. Outlaw titans like Waylon Jennings, Willie Nelson, and Chris Christopherson became megastars, while the world wondered if Hank had really done it that way. Speaking of Hank, the decade made way for his son, affectionately known as Bo Cephas. Women also left an undeniable mark on the decade, as Lou Harris, Tanya Tucker, Linda Ronstadt, and Jesse Coulter joined already established stars like Tammy Wynette and Dolly Parton as country music royalty. Meanwhile, young songwriters like Towns Van Zandt, Rodney Crowell and Guy Clark began pinning tunes that would become classics for some of the genre's biggest names. The decade also said hello and unfortunately a quick goodbye to one of its most promising young stars, Graham Parsons. Tonight, we'll scratch the surface of one of country music's most important decades. This is 1970s country on Rock and Roll Shinsu Chu. All right. Guys. Yeah. All right. Let's get this party started. Um, First of all, I, I would like to say one of my contributions to this is uh, my favorite crowds in live recordings ever are 1970s live country albums. Those crowds, you can hear, you can hear those hats just twirling in the air. Oh yeah, yeah. Waylon, like, go get them, Waylon, go get them, Waylon. A guy says that on Waylon Live. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, oh, yeah. anyway. Uh, people were rowdy and. That, like that was the first working for the weekend kind of crowd, man. They, yeah. when they got a chance to whoop it up and go out and have some long necks, they fucking were ready. Did it. Well, all right, man. Well, to, uh, we're going to share some of our kind of our highlights from the decade. Um, uh, you know, obviously, we're not able to cover everything. This is a decade just loaded with talent and 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 just outstanding albums and songs. Uh, and this think, isn't that long of a program. Yeah, right. And and <laughs> uh, and I think, and Levi was talking about this as we were prepping the episode. Um, you obviously have the outlaw movement, which we'll we'll talk about in detail. And I think that a lot of people who like rock and roll, um, you know, they they probably gravitate towards that sound. Um, but uh, also, you know, it was a really good time for I guess what you could call mainstream country music as well. Uh, there were just a lot of really good uh, singles, you know. Um, and some good albums too from those artists, but really just a lot of really memorable songs. Uh, whereas I think you know the the album country, if you if you want to call it that, was was more found in the outlaw scene, you know. Um, but uh, you had uh, a lot of people, a lot of people really cranking out a lot of good songs. So we're going to talk about some of those. Um, Levi, why don't you kick us off, man? What are some of your highlights of the decade? Um, well, first. If- We'll mention some of the mainstream acts. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Please do. I was going to talk about uh, Ray Price, who he had some hits in the '60s and was right. it was a pretty big country music star. And um, 
1970, he had one of his bigger hits. It was a song called For the Good Times. Mm-hmm. And uh, what, what I always liked about him, he had a song that came out in 1963 called Nightlife, which was written by Willie Nelson, mm-hmm. which is funny because on the record, there's like an introduction to the song, like the band's playing the music to the song, and he's just like, hi, I'm Ray Price. We, we sure do want to say thanks for y'all. <laughs> Taken kindly to that last album we put out, and we're gonna sing our new song for you. It's called Nightlife, and it it was written for me from a boy down way in Texas. <laughs> it, it's just it's just classic. And, There's um, so much good spoken word stuff. You oh, know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah. where like Porter Wagner would just kind of speak over like a little <laughs> bit of a steel guitar and piano in the yeah. background, and then Mama said, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah like, every, story. Like, like like nobody can just pull it together and get dramatic like country." <laughs> <laughs> like, and he looked, the... and Daddy looked me in the eye. And then he said, there's a lot of that. Yeah. The dude, the greatest is Whispering Bill Anderson. Oh, Whispering Bill Anderson is awesome. <laughs> awesome. Anyway. But, um, uh, who else? I got a list here. Let me see. You know, it's tough not to just straight go into to outlaw country people. Um, I know you, uh, had mentioned some, like, Ronnie Millsap was one of your favorites. Oh, yeah. Yeah, really. I mean, the the volume of hit singles that guy had, unreal, man. He had forty number one country hits. You know, I, I'm not gonna. I, he's like, yeah, amazing. Like his his sound and like, it, and it's in that mid seventies is when country started to get slick, and they would like perfect yeah. it. Yeah, I know what you mean. But like, his his songs, they're just slick, man, and you hear them and. They're like the perfect length. They make you want to hear them again. A, a yeah. lot of country songs are like that. They're just barely two or three minutes. Yeah. And it, you just want to put the needle back and start it all over again. Yeah. I, I he um I, I have to admit I haven't like studied like the liner notes of his albums or anything <laughs> like that. But he, he must have worked with some really good producers because it's it's really really well made stuff. Uh, it's a polished sound, but uh it you know it it, it really works. His first record came out in seventy one. Uh, one of the talk about his the album of his that I really like a lot and it's it's a popular one but uh is um um uh uh, uh the night um daydreams uh night things night yeah things. yeah night things yeah night things is just the name of the record the record uh, yeah. it's got that like kind of candid seventies live photo shot on the front you know that I like a lot even though even though it's a studio record um. And uh, there's just so many good. It's it's just such a good record, start to finish, um, and it's such a good collection of songs. Uh, I've really started to appreciate him a lot more in recent years. You know, whereas like when I was in college and I started listening to country music a little bit more. You know, I I have to admit, you know, growing up, like I kind of scoffed at it. You know, and um, <laughs> well, yeah, dude, yeah. You know, and, and I mean, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. Main, like, oh, the, mainstream country at that time, everybody had like helmet hair. There's a lot of yeah. really good helmet hair going on in country at right. that time. Um, so, like, you could look at that, and if you're really into rock, you're going to automatically, like you said, go to the outlaw guys. Yeah, so, you know, that was, like, you know, in college I started listening to Waylon and Willie and, yeah. you know, Graham Parsons. Um, uh, but, you know, I, I've started to, in recent years, appreciate um, more of the, the mainstream artists from the 1960s and 70s as well, and 
and Ronnie Millsap probably being the one I've uh, I, I've gained I, I who's who I, I've gained a lot of respect for. Um, he's just he's just a hell of a performer. Oh, so, yeah. yeah, he's one of my favorites. It seemed like a lot of these guys had a, had some serious longevity. Uh, oh yeah, sixties and seventies, and probably capitalized on that quite a bit then in the eighties so. when when uh, the music videos came around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah it, Millsap, Millsap had hits uh, in the eighties. Like what is it? Uh, uh, Stranger in the Night is uh, well, Stranger uh, in, in My House. Tonight. Stranger yeah. in My House, excuse me. Is, yeah, Lost is in the Fifties Tonight is one. I remember that. Right, right. Um, nineteen eight Smoky Mountain Rain. You know, is yeah. uh, like nineteen eighty. I think. Uh, so yeah, yeah, they, he transitioned to like the music video era uh, fairly well. Um, a mainstream guy that uh, I think is, I, I don't want to say he's underrated because he was a big star and he was known as a, as a, you know, a te- um, uh, he, you know, known for his beautiful sequin jackets. Um, Porter, Porter Wagner uh, is, is a guy I've, I've grown to respect a lot who died about 10 years ago. Um, you know, a lot of people know him through his, you know, his collaborations with Dolly Parton. Um, but his, um, uh, his record from 72, I think I started listening to recently, uh, what ain't to be just might happen. He's got a song called rubber room on there. Dude. Um, that is just such an intense tune and it's, it's got like a psychedelic kind of tinge to it as well. Um, so a lot of the, as I mentioned in the introduction, a lot of the um, the elements of 1960s rock, psychedelic sound, oh, yeah. those were kind of starting to make their way, yeah. you know, into country music as well. And somebody like him, who you know, I think started his career probably in the 1950s, I would guess. Um, you know, even somebody like him yeah. kind of picked up on that, um, and he really did well with it. And and just so many of the songs on that album what ain't to be uh what ain't to be just might happen um you know they're not your really like traditional country music themes you know like i mean they're they're about you know <laughs> the psych ward and you know depression and and really i guess probably some of the you know the just the tumultuous atmosphere of 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 that time you know with oh yeah and, dude it was you know, I mean, winding down and, yeah yeah in the in the 60s and 70s it was all about touring for country music artists yeah, they were. Yeah. They just toured like relentlessly. Yeah. Oh yeah. And talking about that sound, like that's kind of that's where Kenny Rogers started. Yeah. It's kind of like a psych rock sound, and then went country. Yeah. Which is absolutely. kind of like a parallel to that sound. Yeah. 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 A guy. A guy I forgot to mention in the introduction, but um, there's only so much ground we can cover. Um. So yeah. So yeah, Porter Wagner as well. I, I highly recommend everybody if you're. Um, if you're not a fan of him or you know you don't know, uh, pick up that record because it's yeah, uh, it's really good. It's I, really, really. I didn't know, special. and you sent it, you texted it earlier, and so I, I just went ahead and started playing it while I was sitting on the couch, and I was blown away by how trippy it was. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and like you said, psychedelic, this trippy reverb on Rubber Room, like that was the note I had uh, for uh-huh. that, and all, all music. Um, all music's review of that album called it. Uh, they were very favorable of that album. They called it high grade kitsch, which I thought was <laughs> was neat. Yeah, yeah. That's nice. a good way. That's a good. That's a good way to articulate. But I was that. hooked. Yeah. I was hooked yeah. within three songs. I was like, "Whoa, this is all over the place." 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice. It's like a it's like a it's like the blueprint for uh what Sturgill's recent record, you know? Precisely. Yeah. Hey, what Precisely. goes around comes around. Yeah. Well I mentioned Kenny Rogers and he had one of his first hits was just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Right. Which um I was written by Mickey Newberry, I believe. Uh, yeah. And uh so if anybody's heard Luke and Bach, Texas from Waylon, they've, they've heard his name drop in that song. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a really great country songwriter. It seemed like country had a really good group of singer songwriters at this oh, time. Yeah. I mean, country's always kind of been known for that, but man, there was, this was kind of like the cream of the crop era here. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you, you had all those guys that, uh, are showcased in, Probably one of my favorite uh, music documentaries, if not my favorite, uh, Heartworn Highways. Now, aside from, you know, uh, David Allen Coe, who's who's featured in it, none of the other guys in that movie uh, or in the documentary were, were really big stars, you know, at that no, time. No, by no means. Yeah. Uh, they were they were starting to be well known as songwriters. Uh, you know, Towns Van Zant wrote Poncho and Lefty and... And Rodney Crowell had started writing songs, you know, that, that people had covered. And uh, Guy Clark and Steve Earle, Steve Young, um, uh, you know, John Hyatt. Um, but, but yeah, that's just a really cool collective of songwriters. Mainly, oh, yeah, with, a... mainly with their roots more in Texas than, than, than yeah, Nashville. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's, that's just, that documentary is such a neat, Oh, yeah. one into of the, that world. One of the things that I still enjoy and love from that movie is it, it introduced me to Larry John Wilson. Yeah, that's who a good is kind of like one of the. He's like, you know, they. It's like a death sentence almost when they dub you this, but he's a songwriter, songwriter. Sure, sure. And um, you know, he was kind of like a, a southern gentleman songwriter a little bit. Like he's a he, Georgia guy, I think. Yeah, yeah. he he. He made four really great records in the seventies that just none of them really stuck and got big. Yeah, and and then he quit playing music for a whole decade, and uh, then he came out with an album kind of like a la, like the Johnny Cash records or like mm-hmm. the, that Neil Young record, where it's kind of stripped down. It was from two thousand eight, and it's just called Larry John Wilson. Mm-hmm. But his his voice is so unique, man. I think once. A great entry spot is that song from Heartworn Highways called "The Hoopy River Bottomland." It's off mm-hmm. his first record called "New Beginnings." It's yeah, "New Beginnings" song. is awesome. All, Dude, all four, I, all four yeah, of those seventies yeah. records are great, but "New Beginnings" is really. I have I have "New Beginnings" oh, and then okay. I have one called "The Sojourner." And oh, from they're, uh, the uh, yeah. they're the only two records I've ever found of his. Like his records are pretty rare. Yeah. Um, another artist that wasn't in that movie, but same era was Jerry Jeff Walker, who is excellent. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, his, his story is so crazy, man. He he went, he went was in the Army, and then he goes AWOL, and mm-hmm. he, like, busks across the United States, and he settles in New York City in Greenwich Village and was in, like, the Greenwich Village music scene. And then he decided he was going to, like, go to Austin, Texas and get into the Texas music scene. Mm-hmm. Huh. And, um... His most famous song he's wrote and that's been covered the most is Mr. Bojangles. Uh, mm-hmm. The Nitty Gritty Dirt Band had a huge hit with. Um, his record Viva Terlingua is 
excellent. From I've listened era. to it six times this week. Uh, yeah, it's the first not... six times I've ever listened to it, but yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a yeah, it's great, man. I uh, I have two or three copies of it. Every time I see it on vinyl, I buy it's, it. It sounds amazing for a live record. I I have a hard time. I, I believe it is, but I have a hard time believing that it's actually. Live. Oh, I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm sure every every live album at that time had overdubs, but um. But it's, it's I, just I don't super know tight. About and, that. Oh, phenomenal! Yeah, it's it's got all of his classics. Um, we talked about "Up Against the Wall," "Redneck Mother," and then "London Homesick Blues," which was the theme song for Austin City Limits for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it, he's he's. I just think his story is so unique. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, but Desperado is waiting, uh, waiting for the train. Uh, that, that seems oh, yeah. to be a song that's a recurring uh, that recurs through, uh, throughout many country albums. Oh yeah, uh, including uh, Heartworn Highways. Is it not performed? Yeah. In that? But yeah, oh man, that, that song just is a, like wrenches you right in the gut, man. Damn. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, you know uh, some of the some of the other uh, if 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 I had to pick. You know, if there's like a, 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 a an artist of the decade, I think I, I think it has to go to Waylon. Um, oh, you know, yeah. and it, that's I know it's kind of an obvious choice, but yeah, um, I mean, yeah. even though you know he started recording in the '60s, um, he really really defined the decade. I think. him and Willie, like it him and Willie, like, yeah, Willie too. It's yeah. like they're a tandem, like you. They were the two big, hugest, biggest country stars of all time in yeah. the 70s. Yeah. Well, I mean, The Outlaws was the first country record to sell a million copies. Yeah. Or The Outlaws. Um, yeah. I, I, it's kind of and, a, uh, it, it's kind of a, I don't know if this is a bad play on words, but like Outlaw went mainstream because those two guys got so big. Uh, yeah. You know? I mean, yeah. It was, yeah. And then you had, you know, Gillies and then Urban Cowboy and it just became mainstream America. Right. Right. Yeah. Wayland's. It, it, it was so mainstream. Waylon had number one albums in seventy five, seventy six, seventy seven, seventy eight. Number two album in seventy nine. At which point didn't he say, "Let's stop doing this outlaw country thing"? Yeah, don't you think this outlaw? Uh, <laughs> don't you don't think you... this outlaw gun got out of hand? Outlaw <laughs> bit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, and so we have to mention Willie in seventy five came out with Redheaded Stranger, which is considered the first country concept record. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. um, it's it's like sparse, and most of the songs are just him and his guitar. And uh, at first, the record company, like when they got it, they just thought it was like a demo. And he's like, yeah. "No, that's oh, what yeah. we're gonna re- that's what we're gonna release." <laughs> yeah. And he had signed a contract where he had total control, and so they had to do it. Nice. And it ended up becoming huge. It went platinum, and yeah, yeah, it uh, he. That record is excellent. If you guys ever, anybody out there, if you haven't listened to it, it's it's definitely a great outlaw country record. I've I've listened probably to the country album I've listened to the most is Waylon's uh, live expanded edition that got uh, uh, a, yeah. a two disker, and I I just really love uh, Waylon's interactions in, in, be, in between the songs after after the song I I just made that up. Yeah. <laughs> in between the songs and uh but then all the name dropping is something i really love about country music because that's like the one um commonality between country music and rap music 
Yeah, is how right. much name dropping there is. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Bob, Bob Wills is still the king. All no right, doubt. as as is the notorious Big. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, I, I really, I was really disappointed we never got that tupac uh, conway twitty uh, uh collaboration but um anyway we lost both of them too soon um but yeah and and also you know i, I mentioned as well it was a, it was a really good decade for women in country music too um you know i i think that I, I would say if there was like a female artist of the decade i i would give it to linda ronstad um uh you know just Heart like a wheel, don't cry now. Prisoner in disguise, oh, yeah. uh, you know, simple dreams. I mean, uh, those those are just all outstanding records. Um, and also, um, yeah, she was just you know just became a bona fide star, you know. Um, so uh, it was. I, I think Waylon and Ronstadt were like if you had to pick a male and female artist of the decade, it would probably probably be them. So yeah. yeah. Uh, and you know, and obviously some of the women who, who had established themselves earlier, like Dolly and, oh, you know, Tammy Wynette, and um, you know, um, gosh, there's others I'm I'm missing here. You know, they they put out great music then too as well in the seventies. So I got uh, three more guys. I got us. We got a yeah. Uh, a guy named Joe Ely. Oh yeah, yeah. His his debut this... album is awesome. Yeah, it, from 1977. I have it on record. I was lucky enough to find like a, a mint copy of it one day, and it mm-hmm. just blew my mind. Sucking on a big bottle of gin. It's it's a mm-hmm. classic outlaw song. In '78, he came out with this record, Honky Tonk Masquerade, mm-hmm. and he did a tour of the UK. And um, I don't know if he like played with them or they somehow they saw each other's show, but he saw the Clash play and they oh, saw yeah. him play. Yeah, and they struck up a friendship and ended up doing a tour together later. Yeah, huh. yeah. and uh, he originally, before he came out with his self-titled record in '77, in, in the early '70s, he was in a band called the Flatlanders with Jimmy yeah. Dale Gilmore and Butch Hancock, and uh, they came out with one record, and it's excellent. It's from '72. It's just called the Flatlanders. Um, another cool, interesting fact about Joe Ely was. He sings backup vocals on Should I Stay or Should I Go mm-hmm. by The Clash. <laughs> oh, is he? Okay. Yeah, I, wow. thought that was, I thought that was a pretty cool fact. I had heard that that like they had struck up a friendship. I didn't know all the details, though. I had heard that a long time ago. Um, you know, <clears throat> if I had to pick my favorite country album from the 1970s, though, um, aside from, like, you know, like the classic Waylon records... Um, ain't living long like this by Rodney Crowell from 1978. Um, is I mean it's that's probably my favorite. Um, it has he's such a good songwriter that you know that album is full of songs that other people covered later and made oh, much yeah. bigger Speaking and made much Waylon, bigger than he ever yeah. did. Oh, yeah. Waylon, Oak Ridge Boys, Elvira's on there. Yeah, uh, he got a lot of checks, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a song, uh, I think there's a song that like Alan Jackson covered later on that, uh, oh, um, that one as well, but, you know, Leaving Louisiana in the Broad Daylight, he wrote that, he co-wrote it, um, uh, you know, it's, uh, 
He was another guy that transitioned into the 80s and into the video scene. He did. He did. And I think respectably, too. Um, you know, yeah. I think his his poppier stuff in the 80s, like, I can still stomach. You know, like, it's where some yeah, of the... Well, and even like, hey, his I'm... records from, like, the late 80s and early 90s are not bad at all. Yeah, and his new stuff's good, too. It's taken on a little more of a political uh, overtone, you know? Um uh, it, let's just say his politics aren't really aligned to to Bo Cephas or Toby Keith's. Thank goodness. Um, but um, but yeah, he's uh, that's that's probably my you know it's it's just nine tunes, um, but uh, it's it's just it's such a good collection of songs and and also the the amount of people that sing backing vocals on it like Willie's on it, Ricky Skaggs, Emmy Lou, uh, you know who he struck up a good partnership with. Um, they're all on it, but the, the album, um, it's, I, I don't think until many years later was it considered kind of like a classic country record because it didn't really chart, you know, like it no, was yeah, he wasn't, he, he was, he yeah. was kind of one of those songwriter songwriters at yeah. that time. Yeah, he didn't become a household name until like the late 80s, really, you know? Well, and what's kind of funny is that that is almost, it's like a parallel of the same thing that happened to Willie. Yeah. Originally, Willie's like writing all these songs. Yeah. That song "Nightlife" he sold to a guy for 150 bucks, who then sold it to Ray Price. <laughs> wow. So, like Ray, I think Ray Price's name is listed as on it as a songwriting credit. Yeah, but like yeah. It, that, Willie Nelson would do that. Like he would just write all these hits for people, and his records, none of them would get big in the 60s. Yeah, and then that's when he, you know, kind of grew his hair out and changed his sound and wanted to produce his own records and that was kind of the birth of the outlaw thing at that point yeah you know i um i i mentioned it um in the introduction but uh you know 1974 um uh you know uh, uh the grievous angel comes out and uh you know that's that's probably you know i i mentioned rodney Crowell is one of my favorite records um uh, of that decade that that's that's one of them too um you know it's uh by grand parsons uh, yeah by grand parsons sorry i should have mentioned that um you know it's it's just so sad that he had to like i don't know it's kind of a cliche like you know gone you know so soon and and and, and so much before we really got to see uh yeah. his career blossom but that's a guy that that did a lot in a short amount of time you know previously with the burrito brothers and the birds as well um and then you know puts out this this masterpiece in 1973 um you know he was uh you know he's had this kind of cosmic country thing going and uh it would have been neat to see to see to hear more of it do you think it's kind of uh do you think it's too much to say it's on par with he's on par with cobain in terms of his influence in such a short period of time yeah, maybe, you know, um, he died in 73, September of 73. And that was really when the outlaw movement had just started to get a little bit of traction, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, maybe, you know, I, I guess I, I haven't really thought about his, uh, the magnitude of, of, of his influence, but, um, yeah, you know, it's, 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 I think it's a, it's a, it's a valid argument. Yeah. Well, there's something to be said for someone who can party harder than Keith Richards of yeah. the Rolling Stones. 
Yeah, unfortunately. He, he, he yeah. partied so hard that he got kicked out of the uh, yeah. Exile on Main Street session. Right, right. You know you're partying when you're a bad influence on Keith Richards. Okay? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know you, like, you should step back. Right, right. Um, I, I got to mention Gary Stewart. I know we've maybe oh, yeah, yeah. Been, good, good. dropped him, talked about him in maybe other podcast episodes, if I recall, but... yeah. In 75 is when he dropped his masterpiece, if you want to say it, uh, out of hand. And it's oh, yeah. it's a classic of Outlaw Country. His hits, uh, Drinking Thing, Honky Tonkin's on it. I See the One in Your Eyes. Um, she's Acting single, single on Drinking Doubles. Which is like the best song title ever. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> Backsliders Wine, which was a Michael Martin Murphy song, which he was also a country artist. That was oh, like, yeah. Yeah, I've got a oh, I got one of his that. records. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so the, that whole album, to me, it just hit that. It's such a great alternative. Like, it's outlaw, but it's different sounding. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? It is. It, and it, what I think that is because he had a lot of rock and roll influences. He was from Florida. He was a Florida guy. Mm-hmm. He wasn't a Nashville or a Texas guy. And so I think that really gave him a unique sound. And uh, for anyone out there, if you've never heard that record, I highly recommend you listen to it now. You mentioned or wait, Florida. Finish, the, finish listening to our episode, then go listen to it. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, you mentioned Florida, Levi, and a couple guys that started making some good noise near the end of the decade. They became much more popular in the early 80s, but uh, I, I, I have a soft spot for the Bellamy Brothers. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, sure. um, you know, they uh, with, with Let Your Love Flow being such a good, you know, pop oh, yeah. country kind of tune. Uh, I think that came out in like 76 or 77, something like that. Um, and, and, you know, they, they had a good, Bellamy Brothers had about a good 10 year run there from the late seventies to the mid eighties. They transitioned into the video age. They did. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, there's a couple of, couple other Florida boys there. So, yeah. And we got to mention Hank Jr. Not going to call Hank Jr. anymore. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to call him. If if you've heard him speak over the last 10 years, I'm not going to call him sane anymore either. Right. Go ahead. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Um, in 78, he dropped family tradition, which was a a big hit for him. And then in 79, he had whiskey bit and hell bound. And those two albums back to back are just like classic Hank Williams jr. Oh yeah. Um, that second album, Whiskey Bent and Hellbound, has the song Conversation on it, which is a classic. Oh, Him yeah, and Waylon, Waylon. talking oh, about yeah. Hank, his dad. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. Cool. OD'd in classic. Denver. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tired of Being Johnny B. Good is also one of my favorite song titles ever. Uh, <laughs> He was he he was young when he when he when he, when oh, he dude, really yeah. kicked off too. You really know? young, and, yeah. and he was like forced into it by his mom, and was made to kind of be like a miniature Hank Williams Senior. Like his yeah. mom, she made him wear the suits and like play the songs of his dad and stuff. And oh. uh, yeah, his yeah. old man died. His old man died when he was so young. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah, he was he was a toddler. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Huh. Yeah, and uh, you know if. Those that don't know, he fell off of a mountain. Like his yeah. brain, part of it was hanging out of his head. Yeah, totally disfigured his face. No high. one thought he was going to live. When did that Johnny, happen? Uh, if you want like to look in the that seventies or eighties, yeah, I want to say late seventies. Okay, early eighties. Wow. Uh, 
I guess Johnny Cash like was like at his hospital bedside for like a long time for like days yeah. and days and days and uh yeah dude pretty intense and then he came back and had the whole outlaw thing you know he had the beard he was both he came back as Bo Seifus you know what yeah. I mean and he had yeah. the he had the son the aviators and uh 75 uh happened in 75 in Montana mm. um yeah uh the, snow collapsed and he fell 500 feet damn yeah that's a that's a big guy to fall to he's a big boy man he, he was i mean he still is uh, yeah, but like yeah, big guy. yeah yeah i had no idea that the uh that that the whole beard and sunglasses and 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 hat was part to to hide the scars wow yeah yeah, yeah. no one nah, i mean people didn't even know if he was gonna live let alone oh. walk sing or play music or yeah, it, it was intense, man. And so he was. That's been, been tough. Those are those are big shoes to fill. Anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh my god, yeah. yeah. And you know, thankfully, he had the frame of mind to decide, like, no, I'm. I have to be my own person and do sure. my own songs, and you know what I mean. And uh, another guy who was even bigger in the '80s, he won like Entertainer of the Year awards like all the time in the in the 1980s. Oh yeah, he transitioned into the video age very well. Oh yeah, in my house, the one TV, two walnut, you know, nineteen eighties walnut console TVs. One was MTV with my sister, and in the other living room, it was TNN with my dad. So it was yeah. like all day long. I'm just getting constant country music and rock music. Watching, watching the all my rowdy friends video. Oh yeah. <laughs> Talk about name dropping. Which is an outstanding video. Oh yeah. It's a classic. It, uh, it'll be, we'll make some playlists and we'll put them up for this episode. And that'll definitely be on my playlist. It's, and we uh, will, we will do a, an eighties country one as well too. Yeah. Yeah. Was, like, the road down the road. Yeah. Um, that video is like the ultimate name dropping video. It's like the who's who of country music is in that video. She's a jogger in it too. Oh, dude, uh, what's his <laughs> name? Thoroughgood's in it. Uh, Jim Varney, right? The guy who played the guy Ernest. who played Ernest. Yeah. <laughs> dude, Isn't there like a monster truck in that video? Uh, but well. There's monster trucks, hot tubs. I think is Paul Williams maybe even in it. Like it's like it's just a fucking. It's like a who's who of '80s awesome '80s country partiers. Yeah, it's uh, it's good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I was reviewing. Uh, I was reviewing some of the charts, um, the Billboard charts in the '70s, and country music listeners are very loyal. Um, in '72, uh, so 56 weeks out of the year, Charlie Pride had three different albums chart number one in 1972 um wow. so charlie pride overall was number one 45 out of 56 weeks out of the 56 weeks in uh wow in 1972 is that hold on is that is that right 52, 52 weeks F- sorry yeah, thank I was you. like whoa 52 was that weeks. some weird year that had more weeks <laughs> it was a leap year they had a leap month February. that year Sorry, so um, so forty one out of the fifty two weeks of nineteen seventy two, Charlie Pride had a number one album. That's awesome! Oh, dude, he was huge, man. Uh, yeah, I, I was. I, I had heard a rumor that um, they were going to do a biopic on him. It was going to be the guy that did um, Hustle and Flow. I forgot, uh, Craig. Oh, uh, oh. Craig uh, something. The guy that did Black Snake Moan, Hustle and Flow. Craig. Oh, uh, oh the... I should know this. It's like one of my favorite movies. Um, his name's Craig. <laughs> 
I know that. Yeah, I heard like there was a rumor like Terrence Howard was going to play him. I was really stoked when I heard the rumor, but I, I don't know if it got Craig Brewer. Craig Brewer, yeah. Um, One more guy I've I totally forgot, and I see in the notes, um, Don Williams. Man, he was like the smoothest. He was almost like the R and B country music singer. He was so smooth, man. Don Williams like, is awesome, dude. Like I remember, just those that soft sound of like I believe in you and yeah just Lord I hope this day is good and uh <laughs> Tulsa time man he just he was he was smooth man he was a right. smooth country dude and then you had you know Ray Stevens as sort of the weird owl of the decade you know absolutely oh man uh <laughs> Me again, Margaret. He, he, he. <laughs> oh yeah, man. I'll just all it's a I'll raise a real knee slapper. Um, but so, if what nineteen um, seventies country albums would you recommend people start with who who mm. haven't dabbled? Hockey Talk Heroes. You know, if if like you're just totally blind going into it, you know, that's a good one. Say. Oh yeah, yeah. Billy Joe Shaver with him on that one. Uh, yeah, any of those Don Williams records, um, any of, obviously, Hank, Waylon, Willie. Um, you know, uh, I was Stardust, like, maybe. Yeah, know? I was going to say Stardust, Stardust is yeah, like Willie's kind most. of his like jazzy standards type slower album, um, yeah. Willie's. The Leon Russell, Hank Wilson's Back is a really good record from mm-hmm. them we have mentioned in the notes. Uh any Gary Stewart record, um, any of the Jerry Jeff Walkers, or uh... Viva Trilunga, I think, based on my past week of experience of consuming oh, this yeah. nonstop, is I would definitely suggest that as yeah as a good starting point. Yeah, yeah. the record's excellent, and we didn't mention, but I'm was it? I'm, I can't remember if that one was recorded in Lubbock or in Austin. It might be yeah. Lubbock. I would say but, the late uh, great the late great towns fan sand. I would add to the list too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Seventy two. Um, um, yeah. Levi, uh, real quick about uh, Armadillo uh, World Headquarters. Uh, oh yeah, talk in, about in that. Austin, it was a uh, a former armory, and like the the building, I guess you know, kind of maybe was domed or something, and so they thought it kind of resembled an armadillo. And the guy wanted it to be something, they wanted it to be like World Headquarters, so they just stuck those names together. And it became a venue in 1970, and it lasted a decade. And it was like, if you were anyone bigger in Austin, that was where you played. Like, Frank Zappa played there. Um, Bongo Fury was recorded there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it just, you know, all the great outlaw country artists played there. And it's a shame that I'm pretty sure they just tore it down, and you know it. It definitely would be documentary worthy, I would think. It's, I thought it, it's a really cool story. Yeah, you you recommended I check it out, and I read that they um, they were really popular because they just let people smoke. 
you know, they, they love Peter Puff uh, in there. Yeah. And they wouldn't do anything about it. And and the rumor was that the cops wouldn't bust anybody because they assumed that, like, a lot of upstanding locals and politicians and businessmen were, were also in their puffing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it was kind of like, yeah, it was like the good old boy days where it was like, ah, we can't go bust that. The mayor's in there. You know what I mean? Right. It, it was, yeah. It, uh, it was a totally different, heady time in austin austin was a little bit of always has always been a little bit of an outlier in texas um, oh yeah, so, yeah 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 but like you mentioned all there all that's there now is a plaque unfortunately um uh, where it once yeah. stood yeah well and that's all that's left of this episode folks <laughs> um tell us who anyway. we missed obviously we didn't get everybody we missed two uh, oh and, and tip us off to somebody that we didn't know about um and terry terry allen we did we mention terry, terry allen, allen? Yeah, we did, yeah terry allen we meant yeah there's more people let us know who we missed yeah absolutely. yeah we want to be enlightened to somebody that maybe we don't know about yeah yeah absolutely um so yeah please let us know and um you can find out Everything you need to know about Rock and Roll Shinsu Chu at rockchu.com. You can follow us on Instagram and the Twitter at rockinchu. That's as in in as in redneck mother, long haired redneck. Um, so you can uh, you can follow us follow us there. Um, and please uh, leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, that would really help us out. And uh, or any other podcast app where you listen to us, uh, which you can find us on most of the major podcast apps. So, uh, yeah, please uh, let us know how we're doing. And until next time, we'll see everybody soon. Spring training is right around the corner. So have a good night, everybody. Adios.